Global Sport Matters presents, in collaboration with Columbia University Sports Management, the Sports Professors Podcast, where Professors Kenneth Shropshire and Scott Rosner discuss the 101 on what happened in sports business. Hello and welcome to the Sports Professors Podcast. This is Scott Rosner along with Ken Shropshire, longtime former colleagues at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School. Ken now doing his thing as the executive director of the Global Sport Institute at Arizona State University. Uh, And I am the academic director of the sports management program and a professor at Columbia University in the city of New York. How are you doing today, Ken? Doing great. Doing great. It's a lot of sports going on. It's, uh, you know, I was trying to think this morning. There's a couple times a year where this happens. You got WNBA All Star, you've got championship, you've got uh, baseball All Star. I mean, it's, so it happens now, then it happens just post Super Bowl too. But this is kind of a special post pandemic. Uh, what do you call it? <laughs> Collision of events. So yeah, it's, it's a busy time. Busy time. What what are you what are you paying the most attention to? And and we are recording, by the way, on Thursday. So if on Tuesday we sound silly, uh, that's the reason why. <laughs> not not our normal silliness. So I am paying attention very closely to the Olympics. Uh, you know, opening ceremonies as we record uh, eight days away. And just really highly anticipating it from a, a from a fan perspective, uh, of course, watching the best athletes in the world who are so often unrecognized in this global gathering of athletes as one side of it and the business side attached to it as well. Disappointed. And we've talked about this before a bit by the intelligent, I would say, decision not to allow fans at any of the events due to the increase in COVID numbers in Tokyo uh, and the surrounding area, which are, as we stand here today, at a, at a high that we haven't seen in, in quite some time. And so clearly disappointed by that, but you know, really looking at the overall business side of it, interested to see the presentation of it from a TV production standpoint without the fans, uh, and, you know, really looking forward to that and the, the buildup to, to the games. Yeah, I, I'm paying attention to the games, too. I mean, I think we're both on the same track. A lot of it is just the anticipation of, of what, what's going to happen. Not so much uh, on the field of play, the events, but it is both in terms of the fans, as you know, and also the athlete activism side. What is it that that people are going to do that there's, there's just so much anxiety going on uh, and so much of a, again, another collision course of what countries are allowing athletes to do and not do. And, and as you've mentioned before, and this, this kind of tees up the idea of, of Beijing, the, the, the next games and what athletes and countries are going to do with regard to that. So, so it's, it's a, it's a very interesting time. And also in this buildup, we have uh, USA basketball, and, uh, you, you know, in, in, in many people's lifetime, they have not seen a loss by USA basketball on a global stage. I mean, some of us experienced the first loss, but this is, this is really interesting that they've lost to Nigeria and Australia in a, in a time period where, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not filled with talent. The USA team is not filled with talent like the dream team. 
which maybe can't ever be done again. So, so is this something we should expect? And, 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 you know, is this a good Olympic business to, to field a team like this? You know, there was talk at one point of going back to the, the pre-dream team model and using college high school players kind of the best and, and, and take the uh, NBA pros, I guess the best, the best way to say it out of it. Yeah. I, I think that genie has way, way escaped from the bottle. I don't think we're going back in time. I, I think that the, the basketball results that we've seen for team USA in, in the run up to the games. Now, again, these are just exhibition games to be clear, but I think the, the results, the losses to Nigeria, the loss, the loss to uh, Australia is really an indication of the positive basketball growth that we've seen globally. So the game is so much stronger now across the world than it ever has been. Now, the irony, of course, is that this all goes back to 1992, the Dream Team. So the rest of the world at that point really lagged behind the U.S. in the development model for for professional basketball players, and the game was just played at a much higher level, uh, as we all know. But the world caught up very quickly. And, you know, in 96, the U.S. won again, but the games were more competitive. And in 2000, right, the game changed again a bit, right? It's no longer uh, the U.S. can roll out kind of a B team and beat the rest of the world. And so there's a moment of reckoning and we we say, okay, well, that can't be done again. We need to uh, get the best players playing in in the the Olympic tournament and incentivized to do so. And the NBA, which very heavily, uh, you know, plays a role in USA basketball, works with USA basketball to get the stars doing so again and competing the top players. And now we're sort of at this kind of ebb again in top level star participation, completely understandable. It's been a very long season, very little rest. We saw that manifested in a lot of injuries this year. And you understand why the top players want to take a break. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. But again, I think it kind of shows that you can't roll out a B team, maybe even a C team, of course, and think that you're going to beat other countries uh, that have, a, you know, maybe have played together a bit more, have a bit more cohesiveness as a unit. And, and the recognition, of course, as it always has been, the international game is a bit different than the NBA game that we typically see. Right. And, and, and we should have qualified that as, as talking about the, the men's team, the women's team. There's a lot more optimism about the success that they're, they're going to deliver. And, and although, although, if, although, the right, all-star. the caveat, the all-star game that was played in the WNBA, uh, you know, was one with, it was kind of like, you know, almost like, I don't want to say it this way, but almost like a USA B team, right? It was the, it was by and large the athletes who weren't selected for their respective Olympic teams um, versus the, USA basketball team. And so, and that game was played straight up. That was no, you know, that was no exhibition. That kind of reminded me of Drago versus Apollo, right? Where, you know, he he doesn't think it's an exhibition. Like he thinks it's a damn fight kind of, kind of moment. And there was no doubt that they were, they were playing for blood last night. It was, it was good stuff. uh, Who was the guy that uh, Muhammad Ali, the wrestler that Muhammad Ali uh, went against in Japan, who 
didn't realize it was an exhibition and started throwing wrestling moves on him. And Ali was taking that. Well, we'll throw out another Rocky reference, Rocky against Thunderlips played by Hulk Hogan in, uh, in the beginning of Rocky three. I mean, if we're going to, we're going to stick with the cinematic approach to it, Ken, that's the way to go. <laughs> well, you're a Philly guy. I'll, I'll tell you, and the, the one other, for those who want to Google, Google stuff, when they, back in the days where they used to have the college all-star game against the NFL champion. And, and I guess at one point, the, the all-stars won, as I recall, and that game soon ended. It's yeah. <laughs> that's, model. that's it. That's like the first time you beat your dad in basketball, right? And you're like, <laughs> like all right, we're done. <laughs> that's not happening anymore. So uh, no, no question about that. But, you know, look, the USA is in a tough spot. And, and Greg Popovich, I think, has handled this extremely well as the coach. You know, and you can see him trying to massage this group into a more cohesive unit. Uh, and, you know, understanding and uh, understanding the, the nature of what they've gotten themselves into. And it's obviously a less talented group than what he usually has. And if anyone can pull this off and bring this group together, of course, uh, I think it's, it's Popovich. So Scott, what's the, what's the big, big topic this week? What, what do you want to dive into? So a couple of things, I think they all focus around one athlete in particular, interestingly enough, uh, Shohei Otani. And there were a bunch of different things that came up around him. We'll get into, the, you know, the, the Stephen A. Smith comments uh, about uh, about the, the, the young man. Uh, and then the aftermath of that, the home run derby and the business around Major League Baseball's all-star game brought back uh, in 2021 after, you know, after a hiatus due to covid um, so first let's start with the Stephen A. Smith comments and Ken, if you can, uh, really, if our listeners who aren't aware of, uh, what those comments were, just give a, a recapitulation of them. Yeah, sure. It's Stephen A. and his, uh, it is his style to do so was going off on one of his, uh, yelling tirades, screaming A. Smith type moment. I mean, and he's actually, actually a friend too. So I'm, I'm, I'll qualify my comments with, with some of that, but, but he says that essentially one of the reasons that baseball is struggling is because things like this happen, that, that a guy needing an interpreter is the face of the game. This is the, the most popular, most interviewed person in the moment. Then he says that uh, without, and, and, and frankly, this is on the heels of, of um, a, a negative comment about the, the Nigerian basketball team or sort of a, kind of negative usage of, of their names and, and kind of making light of, of that. So kind of a clear missing link with him in the global nature of the, the game and, and how people could take this as, as something that would offend them. So almost immediately, the you know, Asian American community, Asian community and beyond started criticizing Stephen A for, for making the comment. To, to his credit, and we talk about this a lot, Stephen A, I think as soon as he understood what he had said, apologized w- without qualification, at least in my, my opinion. Some people have criticized the apology too, but in my opinion, it was, it was with, pretty much without qualification. And, and he couched it in, in an interesting kind of way. I don't know, if, you know how necessary it was or not, saying that yeah, as, a, as a black man in America, as an African-American, I should have recognized this. These are the kinds of things that happen all the time. So, I, and I don't know how, how, how closely you paid attention to it, Scott. I mean, you know, the, the, the test of these, these, these issues, you know, first, what happens in the moment? How, quick, how quickly can you uh, reset 
and, and get back to your normal life. So the, on his show, uh, the day after he apologized, the, the show was focused and had guests discussing what he had done and how he said it and, and the apology and the like. So I'm watching over these next couple of days to see if there is a true reset, if he is able to, to move away. But, but what, what were your thoughts on it? You know, in the moment, I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, you know, it was one of those, uh, did I just, did I just read? And I didn't hear it live, but it, it, did I just read and, and, and then watch what I thought I just read and, and watched, uh, you know, one of those, you, you shake your head moments where clearly Stephen A, there is a bit of a disconnect there. Um, and as you said, but you should know better right now. You know, and we've both spent you, you're, you know, you as you acknowledge, you know, you have you have, you have a friendship with him. Uh, we spent a little bit of time with him collectively on our, you know, on our old radio show, and where he where he did some some work uh, with us. Uh, a lot of that is shtick, right? I think a lot of his thing, and and look, he's been very successful. He's he is compensated at a very high rate uh, for it, uh, but I I think that it was a uh, yeah, uh, I, he, I think he, he in, at some level, he wished he could have those comments back yeah. and, and, and an immediate recognition, uh, that that was the case. Now, you, you, again, you know, friendship aside and everything else, uh, that you have with him, he, he's not, you know, my cup of tea as a broadcaster, you know, um, you know, I don't need the, the bloviating. It's just not my, my style, but I recognize that he is extremely talented at what he does and, you know, is, is as do a lot of other people. Right. Um, just not the commentator I would choose to listen to, yeah. but, you know, acknowledging that you know, there, he certainly has a style that attracts a lot of people and, and a lot of attention. So, so, you so, know, the, 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 so the sports business issue really is, is this, and it's one that I have, grown on, I've mentioned before, is giving people second chances. And, and for those who are big Stephen A fans, and if you've been against second chances, here's a chance to reevaluate that he gives us the sincere apology. I could say, you know, come on, man, you should have known better that, that this was the idea of, and it's a deeper conversation of, of some kind of unconscious bias kind of being revealed most of us, no, I mean, I'll make mistakes too. So, so please, you know, give me my out as well. Yeah. But, but the idea that he, he didn't take a moment because this, this appeared to be a more of a, a scripted kind of commentary than, than just off the cuff, that this is something that he really gave some, some thought to. So, um, and that may make it better that, that for whatever reason, this, this goes way back to, to Al Campanis and, and to Al Campanis, um, just stating all these things that he believed to be fact that in the environment he grew up in, you know, blacks don't have the necessities to manage blacks that like buoyancy, kind of all this stuff that sounded so ridiculous if you were in, in the know, but here was a guy who'd been in this baseball isolation chamber. So Stephen, a, you know, real global guy, it, it's a little bit more difficult, but, but I do think the benefit of the doubt is the way we should go. I don't know how many chances you get, but, but I think that we should build more of an opportunity into people to, to redeem themselves. No, I think that's a fair point. There's no question. None of us are perfect. And, and certainly people deserve a second chance. You know, I wonder, 
and maybe in Smith's case, a, a third chance if you want to throw the the you know the mispronunciation of the Nigerian players involved. You know, if you don't, that's fine. Um, you know, I wonder, and I can't help but wonder. And we we obviously talk about these things all the time, Ken. Um, when the evaluation, did he get a little bit of a break? Would the evaluation, the apology, um, be different if uh, let's flip races here and ethnicities? Um, if Smith was a white man and talking about it and uh, Otani, instead of being Japanese, uh, was uh, a black man. Yeah, no, and, and I think that's exactly the analogy you have to make is, is are we at a point where we need to give people the opportunity to make those kinds of mistakes? I don't know what, you know, I don't know what the similar commentary would be, but something at, at the same level where, you know, the, Stephen had this, what he thought was a factual piece that people connect better with almost Trump-esque with Americans. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, was almost, that was almost the kind of connection that he made. And, you know, can, can we give him a, a moment to regroup on that? So, so yeah, I, I think we've got to be careful where we're too harshly, um, you know, give somebody a week, two weeks, or, you know, whatever it might be. But the idea the initial plant, the initial route, as you'll call, the Campanus, uh, Jimmy the Greek Snyder path was to fire people right away. I mean, that, that, that's the path that, that we saw. And, I, you know, when, when John Rocker, another name from history, yeah. oh boy. Making, making his commentary, I, man, I, was, I was still caught up in the, the path of, of get rid of him. But, and he was a problematic character in a, a lot of ways. But the idea of figuring out, you know, he was a young man, figuring out ways to, to work with him. So these, these young people, they get caught up on something on Twitter or, or something deep in their history. Is there a chance to, to regroup the, the player, the hockey player that was um, drafted by the Coyotes? Coyotes, yeah. Um, you know, what kind of leniency do we provide in that? So I think we, we just need to be careful. So, you know, some of those we do, some of those are like, no, this has not gone away. This is something that's permanent and, and we should take the appropriate action. So, and Ken, you know, it's really a, a commentary in a in larger scale about cancel culture. In, in many different respects, right? The, you know, how quickly do we, uh, uh, do we, do we forgive? Do we allow forgiveness at all? Uh, or is an immediate, uh, immediate shift? And, and I will say we've known each other for you know, a very long time uh, at this point. We've known each other for, you know, over 25 years, which is, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. I, I see how your view on this has changed over time and how your thought process has evolved over time uh, in this as well. And I wonder, you know, kind of just out of curiosity, what is underlying that change? Uh, and the thought process that's on, that, that changed. So you talked about John Rocker, right? I, rem I remember when that happened in, in real time. Um, so what is it, I mean, it, it, that, that has led to your, your, the evolution of your thought process on this? Good, good people make mistakes and, and people can, on many of these issues, can reform, can, can do better. And yeah. I, as I said, I, I'm sure I've made mistakes along the way and I'm likely to make one, especially in these, these kinds of venues. So the idea of providing the opportunity to, to regroup. Now, it's, it's interesting. You know, I think words are, are one category. I think you know, domestic violence, for example, I mean, a, a crime uh, is more difficult. Mm. That I don't know at what point 
the second chance is allowed there? Is it after you've served time? Um, and, and do we do we have to wait until, and this is one of the things the NFL goes through all the time, do we have to wait until there's actually a criminal conviction? Uh, if is it going to be something short of that before you take some action against somebody on that level? So, so there are, you know, there is a categorization that, that we have to think about, but I think big words and, and, and uh, I don't want to say misspeaking, saying something that is wrong mm-hmm. and, and then apologizing and I will do better. I, I will focus on that. I think it's, is a, is a lot different from, again, domestic violence is so, so prevalent in the news and sport. That's just, that's just kind of the other extreme that I think of. Yeah. And look, we're seeing this play out in a, in a somewhat different way, but, but close enough where the analogy I think works with Trevor Bauer or Trevor Bauer and the Dodgers, right. Where he's on administrative lead and it's been extended through, uh, through close to the end of July by major league baseball and with the cooperation of uh, the players association as well. So, you know, these things happen, um, you know, in, in many different ways all the time. And the other high profile one um, that, that you, you didn't mention, but from way back was Jimmy, the Greek. Right. And, uh, you know, and the conversations uh, around that And at the time. And I've had conversations with Neil Pilsen, who then was leading CBS Sports um, and, you know, is now a longstanding member of our faculty at Columbia uh, about the decision process. And, uh, you know, the, the reality was at the time there wasn't really much that he felt he could do, um, you know, and that it would be have been extremely difficult at that moment in time for CBS to keep you know, Jimmy, the Greek in, in their employ. Other, other than fire. Yeah. It was, it was like 1989, I want to say. And so it was, it was after the Al Campanis incident and, and Jimmy, the Jimmy, the Greek Snyder, which I don't know, that's probably some political yeah, that's right. about that as, as well. But uh, he was, uh, you know, on the, on the morning, the uh, Sunday morning football show, he was one of the, the studio guys and he would talk about ironically, uh, kind of the, the betting line without talking about the betting line, which today he, today he'd be a superstar because you you could talk about it. But he's at a I mean I will never forget he's at a uh, luncheon celebrating Martin Luther King's birthday, and so a reporter puts a, a microphone uh, in his in his face and and says something like, "When will will there be more or any maybe at this point?" any black head coaches. And he says, uh, well, you know, if, if we give, if we allow blacks to be coaches, they'll take up the whole game. They're, they're, they're already all the players. And then, then he, you know, detours even further and, and, and talks about why black athletes are, are so great. He talks about the big black buck being bred with the, the black woman and they create these great athletes. And, it, so, and, and then it almost, almost blends with some Al Campanis language of talking about uh, blacks being, uh, you know, fleet of foot and swift and sort of all that sort of stuff. Same, same sorts of things that Jimmy, uh, that uh, Al Campanis was saying. So I think it was the next day thing too, that, that he got fired, but the way he was, you know, looking back the way he was saying it, this was a, I don't know how old he was. Seemed like he was a 70 year old, 80 year old guy. He was, he was 70 at that point. I believe. 70. Yeah. It, it was, this is what he knew. And, you know, could he, could he be reformed? Uh, could he be given a pass? I, I don't know. But if that happened, and it's tough to analogize, right? Because it couldn't have, you, it, you would fire him today. I mean, the extreme level they went to then. You, you, but, but in that moment, 
I, I, I don't know how much of an outlier he was that he articulated something that was in the recesses of his mind. Yeah. And, and just by the way, um, you know, he immediately apologized uh, after it. I mean, you know, he didn't mean to offend anyone, uh, you know, and I, I believe the quote was something along the lines of, I should have expressed myself a lot better, um, you know, but ultimately, uh, you know, the comments just, uh, you know, kept getting worse and worse and worse. I, I mean, I remember I was, I was still in high school at that point. Um, and I, I, I can't believe that I just heard what I think I heard. Did he really say that? Like, you, you know, um, and this was 1988. Well, and the similarity, again, now we're going to a, a kind of a history of, of the, the worst comments ever made by people associated to sport. But in, in the, uh, the Al Campanis nightline incident, oh. Ed Koppel's interviewing him when he says this. This is, this is the night of some championship <laughs> match. For those that aren't in the know, nightline really used to be the last chance to get the news at night because there's no internet, right? So, you, you, you know, you, you watch nightline at 1130 at night and you, you hear these, these final comments. But Koppel was trying to have a joyous, it was, again, another celebration. It was the 40th anniversary of the integration of Major League Baseball by Jackie Robinson. So this is supposed to be this great, and Al Campanis was one of Jackie's teammates. Teammates. So Al's supposed to be on there talking about this glorious, and, and, and Koppel just threw a softball question. Why? Very similar to the Jimmy the Greek question. Why aren't there, they said it wasn't football, it was baseball. Why aren't there more black managers in baseball? And so Al goes back to the recesses of mine and he starts putting this stuff out there. And, and the thing, thing that I was going to say though, that Koppel saw what was going on and the, the, my, you know, famous or my, I don't know, favorite or whatever. I don't know what, I don't know how you label this line, but Koppel sees what's going on. And he says, uh, we're going to go to a commercial break. Then I'm going to give you a chance uh, to, to clean this stuff up. Because believe me, you need it. I was kind of, kind of. I mean, Koppel saw it in real time and came back, and and Campanis went on. I think that I think it, it was after the commercial break that that uh, Campanis's first statement was, well, you know, uh, why is it that blacks can't swim? They lack buoyancy. I mean, it was just the most incredible roadmap of what not to do. Um, and, and so, so in that sense, either we've come a long way. Uh, there's there's much more. Uh, uh, con- consciousness of, of this form of bias, uh, so so that, that's a, that's a good thing. But to see Stephen A. say something that's you know, I, and we can't give gradations to these kinds of, of comments. Yeah, of course. That, that, that's what it, that's what it harkens back to. Yeah. So to to turn uh, the page a little bit on this and pivot to the athlete himself, right, and the impact of Shohei Otani on all-star game on ratings uh, for the home run derby and on becoming one of the true faces of the sport. So I love watching this guy play. I, I mean, I will say as a pure, from a pure fan perspective, I, I mean, he's, he's uh, Babe Ruth a hundred years later, right? The guy is unbelievable and he's so much fun. He's so much fun to watch. Was Babe Ruth ever fit. I you know, we all the, all the, all the kind of uh, black and whites we see of him. This, this is this chubby guy that happens to be able to to hit and pitch and, and do all this stuff. Was, was he was was Babe Ruth ever fit? Do you know? <laughs> That's a good question. 
<laughs> That's a good question. Uh, to, but I mean, today, is like a, he, he's an athlete. I mean, oh, he's a full-on athlete. I mean, this he is just a, a joy to watch. And I think baseball, which has really been criticized for not marketing its athletes and being stuck way behind the times, I think it's done a very good job with him um, in putting him front and center. Uh, as the athlete and look, they were rewarded for this, uh, you know, home run derby uh, ratings were and viewership were up uh, pretty substantially, you know, since the last iteration of the derby, what, two years ago. Right. So, right. Um, you know, it was up 15 uh, plus percent over, over two years ago in an era where of course everything is falling, right. In terms of viewership, this is a, terrific moment for them in the story that they're telling around all the, the home run derby, which is really a, a non-event essentially, but it was must see television. If you were a sports fan, uh, the other piece is the all-star game itself, which was almost identical in its viewership to where it was two years ago in 2019. The last time the game was had again, you know, I think this is all about Otani I think Major League Baseball was brilliant in this, and I rarely say that about their marketing. And people have not said about this this about their marketing historically, but I think they handled this so well, tweaking the rules, not being so you know rigid and dogged in this is the rules of baseball, this is what we're going to do, in allowing him to start the game on the mound. And to be the designated hitter so that the American League was not penalized as they normally would be if this were a regular season game in taking him off the field when they when they removed him as the DH, they would have lost the DH. Um, and, you know, that is something. Look, they, it's a little thing, but I think it's recognition by baseball that. Hey, you know, we need to, you know, really take big steps forward in how we go about marketing our star players. Of course, the athlete has to be willing to go along with that. And there certainly have been athletes who are a little bit more reticent uh, in doing so. Mike Trout has been criticized for this, uh, you know, Shohei Otani's Angels teammate. Uh, But I thought it was a terrific story. It's one that it was really fun to watch. Uh, He didn't really have a a sizable impact on the game. A couple of the bats, a couple of ground outs. Uh, He was the winning pitcher, uh, pitching, you know, a clean first inning, Uh, but really fun to watch. Yeah, the, the the thing that really sticks with me, o- Otani and 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 Vlad Guerrero. I mean, the the idea that you've got this this Japanese guy, and then you've got a what a Canadian born black Latinx guy, and this is on the heels of of Stephen A's mis- misstatement <laughs> that that it really is. People will watch a global game if guys women can play. I mean, people, people want the sport to be played at the highest level wherever people come from. So this was a, a great example of, of that. I mean, I still, you know, I still frankly cringe some of, of the absence of, of African-Americans in, in great numbers, but that's, that's a bigger baseball issue that needs to be addressed as well. I mean, that's kind of a, that, there's the, the question of irony. Can you be a global sport and grow back your African-American uh, base that you once had. That, 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 that's really something, kind of the missing story from, uh, from, from All-Star. Although, you know, one great step in that, that direction was certainly the honoring of, 
of Hank Aaron and, and Billy Aaron, his, his, his uh, uh, wife's presence at the game and, and the steps they took in, in that direction. <laughs> Again, because the game was not held in Atlanta where originally planned. And, and so they, they took some, some they, they really did a good job. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, baseball has been problematic in so many ways, but this was a, a, a very good face for the game in terms of we're trying to move forward, make progress that, that we haven't necessarily made in past years. Yeah. And look, I mean, I think you touched upon the final thing. They pulled all of this off in a really, really short time frame. We're, we're talking just over three months, I believe, from when the game was removed from Atlanta uh, because of all the, you know, the, the things that were, were going on there and went to Denver on very short order to pull all of this off, you know, full credit, Chris Marinek, who, who, you know, I've worked with uh, quite a bit in the past, um, you know, who now oversees uh, many things for major league baseball, uh, but including the events, you know, Chris and his team, uh, a fantastic job for really going through, uh, this this time frame in, in going through this game planning process in a in a time frame that usually it's a couple of years that you have to plan for an all star game. They pulled this off in three months. Uh, full credit to uh, to to them for doing so. Uh, and you know the marketing around it, I thought was 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 great. It was really the crowds. I think were terrific. Um, you know, and how they played into it. Um, and so while baseball certainly has a litany of issues, uh, they should be hailed for the performance on this one and, and good for them. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's, you know, the business side again is going to be, well, will Denver be higher in the rotation next time to, to have, have a game again? What's the impact on Atlanta? Was this the right thing to do? There, there, there is some postmortem to be done uh, in terms of was that the right move? But in terms of the product that was delivered, there's no question it, it, it turned out quite well. All right. So, Ken, as we start to turn the page towards our next episode, what are you taking a closer look at in the coming weeks? Well, you, you named it at the, at the start. It's, it's still the Olympics. Let, let's see what happens there. I think the, the, you know, that's going on. And I think there's a lot of, we, haven't, we don't delve into it much, but a lot of sports technology things going on. I saw something today where, uh, not pure sport in the sense, but Netflix is now going to start distributing games and this whole gaming space is something we, we don't talk about a lot, but this, this esports and gaming territory, I've, I've been trying to make myself focus a bit more on, on the business side of that and where that should be. And, and the, the, the third thing is, is the, the news is you know, really just breaking is to, to see how things turn out with, with Richard Sherman in terms of what he's encountered um, uh, and we'll know, we'll know more certainly by the time this, this show airs and, uh, and we'll try to address some of those issues as, as they become clear. Yeah. So all, all eyes looking forward, uh, but you know, should be a really uh, fun next uh, few weeks in, in the sports world. You and I, you know, we, I think we, we are, it's fair to say uh, that we are self-proclaimed uh, Olympics nerds, uh, you know, and I, I can't wait uh, for for this. I mean, it, it is uh, there's so much going on on so many different levels as we started the show with. Uh, and I'm sure we will delve into this in uh, our next episode. I just so, want, I want the directory on how to best watch everything. Though. I, I know the last couple of times around I'm, I'm throwing off and I think this time it's going to be even more problematic. There's so much available 
but it's trying to be at the right place at the right time to see, see things live. Yeah. Well, live, you're going to be up all night, my friend. Um, So given the time zone challenges, uh, you know, on the East coast of the United States versus, uh, you know, versus, you know, versus live broadcasts emanating from Tokyo, but between uh, NBC universal and the family of channels there um, uh, and Peacock, uh, and the Peacock's premium channel as well. There is uh, a lot of different outlets for all of this. It's, you actually uh, really could use a, a much better guide uh, than guy, what yeah. I've seen and, so far. And, yeah. and I want some federal legislation mandating no spoiler alerts. In, 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 <laughs> give me spoiler alerts so I don't, I want to be surprised. <laughs> you know? Well, what I do like about NBC, they're not showing it, at least they've committed to showing it live so we don't have to wait in the united states for the primetime coverage anymore which you know which is something that i think um you know a lot of people you know really used to uh criticize it and rightfully so and they've and they've adapted and, and it'll be shown live and the kind of the, the primetime show is the greatest hits uh it's the clips and the things that you really uh that will bring obviously the most amount of eyeballs to uh to television sets uh you know in in um in america so uh so we'll see uh but really looking forward to it so that'll do it for this episode of the Sports Professors Podcast. For Ken Shropshire, I'm Scott Rosner. We'll see you next time. Take care. The Sports Professors Podcast is brought to you by Global Sport Matters in collaboration with Columbia University. For more news and to sign up for our newsletter from Global Sport Matters, go to globalsportmatters.com. And for more from the Columbia University Sport Management Program, go to sps.columbia.edu slash sports. This episode was produced by me, Kendall Jones, Manager of Events and Programs at the Global Sport Institute. And huge thanks to our sound designer and editor, Sam Esparza and Big U Music. Global Sport Matters podcast is a production of the Global Sport Institute at Arizona State University. Our Manager of Marketing and Communications is Crisal Valencia. Our Digital Communications Specialist is Brendan Clean. And our Marketing and Event Assistants are Natalie Skegan, Aiden Corrales, and Kate Nelson. Find more episodes by searching for the Global Sport Matters podcast and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Stay up to date with the Global Sport Matters team by following us on Twitter. We're at Global Sport MTRS.